good to be with you all today. Good to see you. And great to be together on the Lord's Day. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers in our congregation. Um, we are very thankful for you and glad you're here. And we're actually going to start off with a short little video. So you can uh, uh, put your attention to the screen. Hey dads, it's really good to see you. I know you may not hear this a lot, but we want you to know how important it is that you're here. You don't have an easy job. Being a dad comes with incredible challenges, and sometimes it's hard to know if you're doing it right. But you should know that being here right now is such an important part. In the Bible, God gave us this command. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. These words should be in your heart. You should teach them to your children. You should talk of them when you're sitting at home and when you're out in public. You should speak of them from the time you wake up in the morning until the time you fall asleep at night. So what does it mean to be a good father? It means loving God with all of your heart, soul, and might and teaching your children to do the same. And it's such a great example that you're here today, seeking more of Jesus and worshiping him unashamed. The kids here see you. The young men and women are watching, and as they continue to grow, they'll remember and do the same. So thanks, dads. Thank you for your presence and example. We pray that God will bless you, renew your spirit, and draw you closer to him so you can continue to be a shining influence to all those around you. Happy Father's Day. Well, good morning. My name is Helen Garcia, and I'm one of the uh, women's ministry leaders here, and I have the privilege of also serving on the worship team and I want to start out by just, again, saying Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I just hope that you feel loved and celebrated today. Um, we have just a few announcements this morning. First of all, uh, today is the last day for the CareNet baby bottle campaign. So many of you have contributed. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know that there are still any bottles back there, but you can still give. Um, and I also want to um, give a shout-out to a couple of very sweet girls. For the Altic girls, if you will stand up, please. These girls took it upon themselves to create a video and collect money for the CareNet cause. And we are just so, so thrilled. I stumbled upon it yesterday. And um, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, check it out because it's precious and we just thank you so much for starting at your age to uh, try to create awareness for people and to collect money for this great cause. So thank you girls. Um, great job, mom and dad. Uh, also, families with pre-K kids, our Bubbles, Babies and Books is well underway. Um, they are meeting every Wednesday in June and July from 10 
to 11 a.m. at the Charles Park for a time to connect. It's just a great time for them to play and have fun. And parents, you don't have to plan this play date. <laughs> you can just show up. And this week, they are focusing on rainbows. Let's take back those rainbows. Um, also, VBF Kids Movie Night is this Saturday, June 24th, from 6.30 to 8. It's Movies on the Lawn. This sounds like so much fun. Um, it'll be a great time with all of our families. They're going to be showing Swiss Family Robinson, an oldie but goodie. And uh, we'll be having popcorn and snacks. You just need to bring your chairs and your blankets, and we'll see you there. If you have any questions, though, you can see Ms. Sherry for more details. Uh, we also have some suggested resources every week when you get your e-newsletter. If you scroll down to the bottom, there's a section for resources. This week, there's a link there. Um, it's called The Holiness of God. It's a book slash video and a link to an article from Jonathan Lehman on how Christians can properly respond to Pride Month. So make sure you check that out. Um, if you want to get all the details here of what's happening here at VBF, don't forget to sign up for that weekly e-newsletter if you're not already getting it. Um, you can just check us out on Facebook and Instagram or visit our website at verobiblefellowship.org. We're so thankful that you're with us this morning. And those of you that are uh, worshiping with us online, we're happy you're here too. Don't forget to hit that like and share button. Also, if you feel led to give to the ministry here, we have a box over here on the left uh, back corner here. You can also mail in your gift or give online. Let's get ready to worship the Lord. Well, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 say this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we begin our time of singing this morning, uh, all these songs are kind of tailored to the fact that um, this idea of God that is so prevalent in the Psalms and even in this verse that he is a refuge, a fortress, a place of safety and protection for us. He is the person that we can go to in our time of need. And so whatever you're walking through in your life right now, whatever you're um, facing, whether it's uh, good or difficult or hard, um, I just want to encourage you as we sing to God now to bring whatever it, it is on your heart to him and to know that he is a refuge and a fortress and a strength. Let's pray before we sing. Uh, Father God, we just take a moment to recognize um, you as the one who is a mighty fortress, the one who is a rock, the one who is a shelter. All this imagery you give us in the Psalms uh, as, as the one that we can go to in our time of need. And I pray that we would just together as a church draw near to you now in this time. Uh, that we might find mercy and grace from Jesus Christ, your son. And we thank you, God, that you ultimately are the um, greatest example of a father and a fatherhood. And, um, and we thank you for your great love for us. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we get ready to sing?
pardon for sin. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand faithfulness, mercy, and love that you say in that scripture that we read in Hebrews, uh, you invite us, let us come to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace in our time of need. And I pray, Lord, that we have done that this morning. And we thank you for being uh, the ultimate and perfect example of a father for us. And we thank you, Lord, and we uh, just continue to thank you for the gift and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that continues to shape our lives each and every day that we need to be reminded of continually. And we thank you, Lord, for your love for us in Christ. Pray this all in the name of your Son. Tom Lahari and his wife, Jean, to come forward. Uh, we're going to have a prayer focus this morning. Today is Tom's last Sunday with us before he heads out for his missions trip in Costa Rica. And so uh, what a great opportunity for him to go down and love on the people of Costa Rica, deliver the shoes. How many pairs of shoes do you have now, Tom? Just about 200. Wow, 200 pairs of shoes. And you say that, that's not... That's not a big deal, but really it is, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, kids cannot go to school if they don't have shoes. So it is a big deal that these shoes are being delivered to children who don't have them. And uh, what a blessing that is. And I want to thank you as a congregation for participating in, uh, in, in you know, collecting those shoes that Tom can deliver. Tom will also be preaching the gospel while he's there. Uh, but not just preaching. I mean, he'll preach every day. If you know this guy, every, every rock gets turned, man. I mean, he's going to make sure that people know who Jesus is. So, so we're excited for him. Some of the men from men's ministry have come forward. And, of course, our elders are here. And what we're going to do is lay hands upon Tom and anoint him with oil, pray that God will use him. I want to invite those of you in the body who would like to come as well 
and participate in praying for Tom to come on up. And, and so, Ray, you have, where's Ray, Brother Ray? There he is, right here in front of me. Ray, go ahead and anoint Tom, if you will. And uh, amen. Amen. Yes. What a man, what a man who has a servant's heart. Yes. Lord, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, Lord God, and he just exemplifies that. That's right. Lord, Lord, it's an act of his love for others that is a natural byproduct showing his incredible love for you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would go ahead of him, Lord God, on this journey, that he would... Um, minister to those in your name lord give him your words give him your strength mm -hmm. give him your peace your boldness lord yes. god Thank you, lord. and lord we just pray that as he goes there we're, we're not called to to make a difference in other people's lives we're called to make an eternal That's difference right. in the lives Great. of yeah. others, Lord Hallelujah. God. So we thank you that we have him who's willing willing to go ahead, Lord, and to be away from his family family and to endure uh, perhaps some difficulties. Lord, bless him, Lord, from head to toe. Mm -hmm. And again, we thank you and we wait to hear wonderful praise reports for what you've done through this man, yes, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Yes. Well, all the, the sandals, you have no idea what it feels like to give a child a pair of sandals when they walk around barefooted in dirt and mud, clean off their feet and put a sandal on them and pray for them that God would anoint their lives and bless them and bring them into the kingdom. And, 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 and the finances that were supported to help me make that trip. I thank you from my heart. I thank you in the name of Jesus for standing with me and blessing people that we don't even know. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you bless everyone here. Amen. Bless their families, bless their finances, bless their health. Bless their children and their children's children. Lord, until you come, we love you and we praise you and you, and we thank you in advance for the victory that this trip is going to bring. And we just love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, we want to go ahead and have our kids come forward now, and we'll release them uh, to children's ministry. So thanks, kids, for being here and uh, for being part of Vero Bible Fellowship Children's Ministry. And that's a big deal around here. Kids are not an afterthought. They are in front of us all the time. We're praying for them, thinking about them, knowing that this is our future right here. And we have some incredible young people in our church, and not just children, we have teenagers. We have others who are young adults that are just incredible individuals. We thank God for all of them. So that's good stuff right there. All right. Uh, at this time, uh, we're going to go ahead and prepare ourselves for the reading of the scripture.
And uh, again, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers here this morning. And if you would stand up, fathers, we want to just acknowledge you and thank God for you. All the fathers, please stand. Yes. Good stuff. All right. Good stuff. Let me say that uh, uh, just out the doors here and turn to the right and then turn to the right again. It's a little corner right there between the two buildings. And we have a display that's been put up and it's for pictures. So fathers, go with your families after the service. Make sure you take a picture, something you can keep with your family, okay? And uh, it, I think there's a, there's a banner hanging, Happy Father's Day. So it's a memorable moment captured on film. Actually, it's not film any longer, is it? <laughs> captured in a, in, a, in a digital form. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and prepare ourselves for the scripture reading. If you'd like to turn to the scripture passage, it is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Well, you should have your Bible out at Genesis, but I'm going to be moving around today in the, in the uh, Scripture because it's selected verses to really proclaim a message for fathers today. This is a message that uh, I hope speaks to the dads in the room, and those of you who hope to be a dad, those of you who have been a father, maybe your children are no longer living with you, they have moved on to other places, they're adults now but still something that you can hold near and dear to your heart is the Word of God and what God has to say to you and how much He loves you. And uh, so we're going to look at this today. I, I, I want to preach a message I've never preached before. I've never preached this text this way before, ever. Uh, the temptation is simply to preach a message on Father's Day, the how-tos of fatherhood. 
Not that I have all the understanding of how, of how to do it, but God's word speaks to that. Today is different. Today I want to skip over the how-to and go right to the heart of the what and the why of fatherhood. To really understand what it means to be a father. And let me just tell you, the answer to that, what it means to be a father, is to first and foremost understand what it means to be a man. What it means to be a man. Because if you get that right and you understand God's design for manhood, fatherhood will naturally fall in place. You don't so much have to work so hard on being a dad when you truly understand what it means by God's design to be a man. Now, we need to understand God's purpose for how men and women relate to each other. That's partly how we understand the importance of being a man, of manhood, is by how we are to relate to our wives, okay? And so when we say something is compliment, a compliment, what we're saying is it makes something complete. And, and God's view of manhood and womanhood is a complementarian view. That there is a specific, unique role that God has given to man. And there's a unique role that God has given to woman. And man alone is incomplete. He needs a complement. And a woman alone is incomplete. She needs a complement. There are unique differences in the two roles that cause the other party, the other sex, to be very important in the relationship. So here we're talking about marriage, and that's really where I want to focus most of the message. Again, to understand what it means to be a father, you got to know who you are as a man. And to understand what it means to be a man is to understand God's design for marriage. Because that's where manhood plays out at the highest order. So we're talking about something that God created with the component of complementarianism. Listen, church, we need to understand that when it comes to human sexuality, the greatest display of God's glory, the greatest joy that a human being can experience when it comes to the greatest fruitfulness in marriage, that comes about when the two unique, different souls, a man and a woman, come together as one. You'll never know what it is to be complete to that degree, to that understanding as God created it until you experience that. Now, I want to stop and say not everyone is called to marriage. Paul even calls being single a gift. And the reason he said it was a gift is because now you're able to give much more time to the work of the Lord than if you were married. He said if you're married, there are things that you have to do for your spouse because you are to compliment them. Therefore, you have a high order of responsibility in marriage. But if you're single, you have much more time to be given to the Lord. We should never look down on single people 
Don't ever think, well, when are they going to get married? It could just be that they have a gift of singleness. At the same time, that's not diminishing the importance of marriage. And I, I always try to, until I know that somebody's called to singleness, because we all were single at some time, right? But we didn't stay that way. And, until, and unless I know that you're called to singleness, I'm trying to encourage young people to get married. That's just the way it is. Because you'll never know the depth of love, the depth of sacrifice, the depth of, of understanding, of forgiveness, of forbearance, of grace, until you have to be in a relationship committed with a covenant before God. You'll never know those things, not to that degree. And I pray that everybody has that experience because it's the most thrilling and fulfilling thing that you can experience. Where are the amens? <laughs> okay, this is going to be fun, I can tell. In our day, we have the disintegration of the complementarian view because of the abuses of women found in male domination and also in the rejection of gender differences given by God. We, we see today this gender fluidity, this neutral, you, you don't have to be one or the other, or you can be both at some point in your life. We live in a crazy time where right is no longer right, where wrong seems to be right, and it makes no sense, and it shouldn't make sense. Because it's produced out of reprobate minds. People who are inside out, upside down, perverted in their way of thinking. That's the only way you can explain what's going on today. And the fallout of this sinful behavior and this sinful ideology is that God's design for marriage has been completely rejected or minimized by the society and culture that we live in. Therefore, people today have no hope of experiencing marriage that was meant to help them thrive and flourish as a God-designed, uh, God-created person. The Bible teaches us to resist the impulses, move away from this concept of men who dominate their wives. That is why feminism really took root in our nation. Because men were controlling, men were domineering, men were pushing the envelope on chauvinism, which absolutely is not God's design for man. But that doesn't give the feminist any kind of a, a you know, it's not a good excuse. Feminism is just the opposite. It's, it's, it's a far-reaching wrong view to think that somehow you don't really need men or that you can fulfill the role yourself and you diminish the responsibility of the role. You try to emasculate a man. I'll tell you this about godly women. A godly woman is a woman who knows the Bible. She, she knows enough about the Bible, and she's learning to learn. She's always trying to learn more. But a godly woman will never find satisfaction and fulfillment 
being married to an emasculated man. They want a real man. And a real man would never, a godly man, would never find fulfillment in a woman who doesn't understand the complementarian view and how important she is to it from her role. This is so important, and it's lost today. We live in a culture that's sex-blinded, gender-leveling, gender-fluid, everything that's wrong. That's our, that's our nation today. If we don't teach our children about the unique differences given to male and female, and if they never see those unique roles lived out in their home, listen, then they will be lost themselves from understanding what God designed them to be. When all they have is an, a dysfunctional home environment, when all they have is, is an environment where, where the world's view has been introduced into that home, that child has no hope. Let me tell you what that child experiences today. That child is likely to experience at some point the invitation to go ahead and cut off certain parts of their body. They're going to get the invitation in the public school library to understand perversion sex because some books in our public school libraries are por pornographic. They're going, to, they're going to get a view of life that is absolutely everything against what God stands for. And you know what, parents? We have a responsibility to live out as moms and dads, as husbands and wives, the life that God created for us. And if you're having marriage, marital problems, I can promise you, it's, it's, it, in there is this lack of focus on God's design. And I'll tell you one more thing. It's also a lack of understanding and commitment to a covenant that you made with your spouse, with God watching. See, marriage is not about me feeling a certain way about my spouse. If that's the case, that feeling can change. And when it changes, I don't want, want to be married any longer. I've got somebody else that makes me feel good. That's how the world works today. But see, in, in, in a God-centered marriage, you understand God's given you a role and that you need your spouse because they compliment you and you compliment them. And your commitment is not just to a feeling, it is a commitment before God to them. And I'm going to do everything in my power to work out my covenant relationship with you. Marriage, friends, is work. It's work. Somebody says, no, it's just, you know, it's a feeling. It's love. I, you know, I, I fell in love with them. Yes, you did. That's an awesome thing to feel love for someone. Remember that, guys? <laughs> Remember that first time that you met your wife? She was just a girl that you met. My, my girl lived tw 25 miles from me. Man, I couldn't wait to get out of the ministry that day and head south to New Smyrna Beach. I, you know, I'm not good with memory of, you know, necessarily phone numbers and things. I never forgot her phone number, okay? That just doesn't work, you know? You, you are feeling it. But in marriage, if that's all you have, you'll be singing B.B. King's, the thrill is gone, baby. Because it will. You can't be thrilled all the time. It can't always be in a, how many of you would say amen to that? 
But let me tell you what, when the thrill's gone, the commitment is still there. And I'm going to work through the difficulty of my feeling, and I'm going to stay connected to my spouse, and I'm going to make covenant and keep covenant with them and with God. And let me tell you what happens when you do that. When you, when you, when you just bear down into that relationship and you work it, all of a sudden the feelings begin to come back. I've seen it so many times as a pastor. People who say, well, our marriage is done. I don't love them anymore. And I've seen them press in, press towards one another, and God restore that relationship because of a work, because of a covenant, not because of feeling. And as they worked on it and the covenant began to come into play, the feelings started returning. That's the beauty of marriage. I, I, this is a Father's Day message. I know, it sounds weird. But this does play out in fatherhood in a special way. So let me keep going. On this Father's Day, I want to go back and learn what God had in mind when he created us differently by design than the women, than the wife that you have. And he said it's very good. So God's pleased with the differences. So let's talk about this. Understanding what it means to be a godly man, it will make all the difference in how you relate to your wife and how you relate to your kids. So here, first of all, we need to understand that men and women were created after the image of God. No other creation was created after the image of God, only you. Being a man is God's design. Being a woman is God's design. And he's never changed it. It ought to be as, as steadfast as the fact that today the earth is still rotating as it always has from the beginning. And the sun still rises and still falls as it has been from the beginning when God created and spoke it into existence. The, the rain still turns the dirt into mud as it's always been. And the mud dries out when the sun and the heat hits it. These things never change God's creation doesn't change, and men and women shouldn't change. Secondly, it's understanding our unique differences that bring us into unity. True unity comes from differences and recognizing the importance of the differences between the husband and the wife. I've said it before, a man does not, most men, do not struggle with raising the hood on a car and getting in there and coming out with grease under the fingernails. Doesn't bother them one bit. Most women are not written that way. Okay? That's just not who they are. God did not make man from woman. He made man from the earth. Men are created by God and they have an earthiness to them. They can stink pretty good when they've been out in that hot sun all day, can't they, ladies? It's the way God designed them. And ladies, you can stink too when you come out of the, <laughs> from working out all day. You might not stink as bad, but you do. Let me tell you, it, it can happen to both of us. But, but a woman is created by God with unique understanding and sensibility. She understands people relationally. She's in touch 
that way, where men are not. When we were first married, I look at Rini and I could tell, mm, something's off. Honey, what's wrong? Nothing. And I'd, I'd say, okay. Go about my business. Wrong. Nothing never means nothing. Nothing means I'm inviting you to press in and begin to listen at a deeper level than you normally listen to me. It's an invitation. Enter this dance with me. And my natural inclination is I don't even understand how to dance. Not that dance. And I'm not a good listener that way. I had to learn how to understand her unique difference and how important that is to me. When we had kids, we, the first one was a girl, the second one was a girl, and I was clueless. And they'd, they'd act out something, you know, whatever, behavior. And I'd say, Rini, what? And she'd go, okay, I got it. I understand it. And she could handle it. I didn't, I didn't get it. Now, when Mark was born, I got it. And he was quite the boy, let me tell you. Because he would get in trouble, and Rini would say, son, if you do it again, I'm going to get the paddle, and you're going to get a spanking. If you do it again, you're getting a spanking. He'd walk over, get the paddle, and hand it to her. <laughs> I'm not making that up. And then she would say, well, we'll just let Dad handle this when he gets home. And buddy, he wanted that paddle back, and he wanted to make things right real quick. Manhood. It's a role that a woman is not supposed to and cannot fulfill for the children. And the woman's role is equally important. And the man needs to respect that role. Amen? Okay. Well, let's keep moving here. Maybe we'll get through in the next hour and a half. I have a book that I bought probably 20 years ago. I think it's probably 15 to 20 years old, maybe longer. It's written by John Piper. It's that thick. It's a textbook, really, even though he wrote it for the general public. You can pick it up at Amazon. Um, it's, it's the role of manhood and womanhood. The subtitle is A Response to Evangelical Feminism. He saw feminism entering into the church in unprecedented number, and so he wrote this document to help us understand the unique difference between men and women. I want to read for you a story, because here's the deal. This is why sometimes we struggle with the opposite sex and their role. Because we somehow think, ladies, that if he acts out as the man, as the leader of the home, as the one who initiates generally, as the one who God is holding accountable as the spiritual head of the home, we think, ladies, you're thinking it means that you are inferior to him, that he is superior to you. Some men think of it that way. Nothing could be farther from the truth. A woman is not inferior to her husband. In many aspects of her character, of her personality, she is superior to the man. In a home, it's possible, likely, that a woman is much more administrative than a man is. 
or that she is much more connected to understanding human relationships than he is. That she is much more sensitive to situations that develop where he just doesn't get it. So it's not about inferiority or superiority. The reality is men are superior in some things. They are stronger. Look at this ridiculousness of having men enter into women's sports. The women don't have a chance because God designed men to be stronger generally. I'm not saying there aren't some strong women that could put me down in an armrest. I'm sure there are, okay? I know there are. But that doesn't make her superior to me in headship. God still calls me to be the head. Does that make sense? Let me read this great story that John Piper gave. And then I'm going to extrapolate just a few of the thoughts that he gave in this book that I've had for so long that have been so helpful to me. So John Piper tells a story that really speaks to the uniqueness of the roles and the appreciation of a complementarian view of marriage. Again, complementing means that the man understands that there are things that the woman brings into the marriage that he can't bring into the marriage, and he's thankful for her. He appreciates what she brings, and likewise, she appreciates what he brings. It's a complementarian relationship, okay? John Piper says this in the story. Listen, let me take a swig before I get started. He says, suppose two young, two young single adults, a young man and a woman, find themselves talking in the lobby before service at the downtown campus. Now, he's referring to the church that he pastored. They have just met for the first time, and he likes what he hears and sees. So as, the, as they approach the door into the worship center, he asks her, are you sitting with anyone? And so they sit together. They notice how each engages with God. And they like what they see. And when the service is over, as they are leaving, he says, do you have any lunch plans? I'd love to treat you to lunch. Now, as at that point, she is totally in charge, and she can signal, no, don't ask me anymore. Or... Yes, I would be interested in joining you for lunch. If it's a no, she might indicate this by her tone. She might indicate it by her body language. She might indicate it with a simple, I do have some plans already made. But thanks. That would be nice, ladies. Give a thanks. Or she can signal the opposite. I do have plans, but let me make a call. Because that guy on the inside is going, yes, yes. Let me make a call. I think I can change them. I'd love to go. Neither has a car, so he suggests that they walk to Maria's Cafe down on Franklin Avenue about 10 minutes from here. And as they walk, he listens and learns that she has a black belt in martial arts. Whoa. In fact, she's placed in state competition at 19th Street. Two men accost them. 
and make it clear they want their purse and wallet, and they also want their way with her. So as they move closer, the thought goes through his mind, she can whip these guys. But instead of stepping behind her, he takes her by the arm and eases her behind him so as to protect her. And then he says, if you're going to touch her, it will be over my dead body. When they make their move, he tackles them both and tells her to run. And after a very short scuffle, they knock him unconscious. But before they know what hit them, she has put them both on their backs with their teeth knocked out. Is there an amen, ladies? A small crowd gathers, and shortly after, the police and the ambulance arrive, and she gets in the ambulance with the young man. And as they are making their way to the hospital, she looks down at him on the gurney, and she thinks to herself, this is the kind of man I want to marry. The story illustrates the deeper differences of manhood and womanhood that are not about superior or inferior competencies. She loved what was deeply inside of him, this desire to protect her. He in no way was going to let these two guys have their way with this woman. It was, he's wired that way. Even if he doesn't have the competency to pull it off, he's still going to put himself in harm's way for her sake. This is what it means by God's design to be a godly man. He took the initiative in inviting her to sit with him. He took the initiative to invite her to lunch afterwards. God designed it. She was not offended by the fact that he opened the door going into the worship center. He saw it as his responsibility. I taught my son from the time he was little, you always hold the door for the girls when we go into a building. And when we sit to have a meal, men, listen to this now. When we sit to have a meal, you always let the woman order first. I've been with men who they sit down with their family or their spouse and they don't even think about her. They just immediately go order. No, be a gentleman. Be a gentleman. They the woman is looking, she loves the fact that her husband respects her as a woman. I just wish more women were that way. There's a lot today who get this, they think it's disrespectful to assume that you will pay for the meal as a man. That's how far we've drifted from God. It, by the way, there's nothing wrong with a woman paying for the meal. But the man ought to go first and say, I'm getting this. I'd like to get this. And if she's, no, I really want, okay, go ahead. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't be a chauvinist. Don't think, oh, I can't let her do that. Don't, don't be that way. But she should let him be a man. At least make the offer. In the story, he said that he wanted to treat her to lunch. So he was paying. This says nothing about who is wealthier or who is more capable of earning an income. It's just a man acting out on his God-given impulse. Listen, ladies. Listen, men. 
If you're a man, God designed you to be a man. It's glorious when you act like a man. And for a woman to be a woman under God's creation, that's glorious. That's beautiful. And no man can ever be a woman, and no woman can ever be a man and have the splendor and the beauty and the majesty of God written all over it. So this is not about superiority or inferiority. It's about letting a man be a man. And God has called the man to headship. He's called the man to lead his family. See, when I said earlier that we're not going to talk about fatherhood in, in particular, it's because when you understand that you're the one called to be the man in the home and to lead your family in the ways of God, then it comes more natural to be a, the right father to your kids. The Bible speaks to this idea in many ways, but we as men are to be Christ-like. Our children, our wife should see us as Christ-like. They should see us as humble because we are fully aware that except by the grace of God and the work of Christ on the cross, we would not be able to fulfill God's design in us for them. So a, a godly man is not prideful and arrogant in dealing with his family. I'm not saying that there's not moments where that can rise up in you. It, it does in me too. But I catch it, or I want to catch it. Or Rini will say something, hey, that, that was hurtful. Why, why did you raise your voice? And you know what? She's right. I don't need to raise my voice when I'm making a point. If, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't even be saved. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have Rini as my wife. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have my beautiful children, and I wouldn't have my 12, great, or 12 grandchildren, not great-grandchildren, grandchildren. <laughs> It's all from God. That, that, to me, raises up in me this appreciation, this deep appreciation for God, for what he's allowed me to experience. And humility flows out of that. And it should. Take your Bible. I want to turn as we come to the close here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Ephesians 5, 22. God speaks a little more clearly about the role of a man and the role of a woman. And I just want to finish up with this. And I want you men to understand that as you live out these roles, this role that God's given you, you will change how you, how you respond to and relate to your children. It'll change you for the good. Okay? And not that you're doing it wrong. You might be already doing this. That's great. But there's some men in the room who've never been taught this. So rather than get upset with them, wives... Really let them learn. Let God teach them so they can change. Here it is, Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and, his, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I want you to notice something going on here. First of all, the man is being likened to Christ 
the woman is being likened to the church. Christ was head over the church. The church came under, hupotasso, came under the leadership of Christ. A woman comes under or comes alongside the leadership of her husband. No godly husband would ever make a decision without opening the door for discussion with his wife. Why? Again, because he's been humbled by God. So he doesn't see himself as superior in decision-making. He sees himself as the one for whom he will have to give an account on judgment day because God's called him, not the woman, to make the final decision. But he, because he's wise, asks her, what does she think? Give me your thoughts on this. And they pray together, and then he acts on the decision. Okay, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might sanctify her. Christ sanctified the church through the word of God. A husband lives the word. A husband is in the word. And because he knows the word, the word works in his wife and he plays a role in her sanctification. He's not replacing the Holy Spirit. Theologically, don't, don't go there. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit uses him as a loving, faithful, humble, Christ-like husband to guide his wife in her growth and maturity as a believer. And by the way, the woman plays that role with the husband as well. You're helping as the Holy Spirit uses you in his process of growth and maturity. So that the, he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands love your wives, uh, uh, sorry, in the same way, husbands lo should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. God believes that you should love your body. You should be thankful for the body God's given you. You should love who you are, that you are a man. You should love that you are a woman, if you're a woman. And, and, and by that, it brings into that relationship the other important ingredient. Without it, Man, that, that soup tastes terrible. you got to have it. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. And then quoting from Genesis 2.24, look at verse 31 here. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. I want to say that that's, that's so important. Those of you who are young men who are married, or you, you're not married yet, you're hoping to be married one day, Please hear this. This is what the Word of God says. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Now, let me say this to moms. That doesn't mean he ceases to be your son, and it doesn't mean that there's not still a special relationship that will never, ever change. It means you don't bring to your mother things that God now wants you to bring to your wife. 
Mom now is no longer the one you go to. You don't cleave to your mother. You cleave to your wife. Because you and your wife are now one flesh. And moms, that's hard. I can't imagine. That's got to be hard. Because you've watched that boy grow. You've nurtured. You've raised him. He's come to you. You're proud of him. And now all of a sudden, this, this other woman comes into his life. That's got to be hard. You've got to respect it. He'll still be your son. He'll still open up to you. He'll still appreciate you. He'll love you. He'll give you hugs and kisses. He'll never forget you. But you, it, the role changes. The role changes. And this mystery is profound. Listen to what Paul says now, talking about the husband and wife relationship. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He is to love her the way Jesus loved the church. She is to show respect to her husband the way the church shows respect to Jesus. I didn't design this. This is God's word. And together they both, the woman might have a superiority where he has an inferiority. The man might have a superiority where she has an inferiority. Certainly he's, he's, he's put together by God with certain role and certain functions and certain qualities and characteristics. But she has the same as a woman. And the two together are what make the complement, the completeness. And showing respect and love to one another is critical. Now let me give you a couple observations from that text we just read. First of all, marriage, marriage is a picture of Christ's relationship to his church. That's the mystery that the world doesn't understand. They get married, they have no clue that that marriage is supposed to represent a picture of Jesus to his church. That's what your marriage, ladies and men, that's what that marriage is supposed to represent to the world, a picture of Jesus to the church. You probably never thought of it that way. That's what it is. Secondly, the husband takes his cues from his wife just as Christ, or the church takes its cues from Christ. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. I didn't design headship. God did. Now, what he's talking about is a spiritual headship. He's not talking about the man is the head and everything. That would be a train wreck in a home. If the man was the cook, if the man was the one who did all the, the designing of the furniture and all the color schemes, could you imagine, ladies, what that would look like? No, no. It's a, it's a coming together. It's a dance. And it's a journey together. But there are things God's given that man to do that the woman's not to do. And there's things that the woman does that the man is not called by God to do. We both need each other. So the primary responsibility for initiative and leadership in the home, I call it headship, biblical headship, that belongs to the man. Let me give you another point. The primary responsibility for initiative and leadership is clearly not about rights and power. It's not about competency. It's about respecting what God has ordained. It's about spiritual matters of the heart. A man leads lovingly because Christ has changed his heart. A woman allows him to be the head of the home because Christ has changed her heart. She will not play the game of feminism 
He will not play the game of chauvinism. We will not be caught up in the world's ways. We will follow God's wonderful, beautiful design for men and women in marriage. A man should, if you're going to pride yourself, men, pride yourself in your brokenness before God. That you are given to recognition that God is the one who has changed you so that you are now worthy to be in a marriage relationship. A man who's never been broken by God will never respect his wife the way God designed him to respect her. Only a broken man can truly appreciate his wife. And ladies, only a woman who has been broken by God spiritually can truly come alongside her husband and respect his leadership as he sacrifices his love for her. A lot here, isn't it? Something that we need to consider. And here's where it comes into Father's Day. And all that I just said, listen, please, your children are watching. Ladies, how you treat your husband is how you are treating your daughters to treat their husband. Now you think about that in light of what God has created you to be. Men, how you treat your sons is how they will treat their wives. One, or how you treat your wife is how your son will treat his wife one day. That's what you taught him. That's the behavior he learned. Either it will be exactly as God designed or it will be something that the world has come up with. And I want to say this to all of the men in the room and the women in the room. It's never too late to change. This is not a day of defeat. This is not a day of beating you up at all. That's the last thing I want to do. Listen, I'm not the kind of preacher that just tells you how it is. Okay. In other words, this is how it is in the world today, so let's, we need to make some adjustments so we can fit with the world. No, I'm not going to tell you how it is. I'm going to tell you how it ought to be because that's what the Word calls us to. Amen? But I don't mean to beat you up with it. I'm certainly not wanting to condemn you in it. I want to be your biggest cheerleader. I want to encourage you today. Ladies and men, please get back to being a godly man. Get back to being a godly woman. Learn to love your spouse and compliment one another. Let your children see this so clearly that when they are adults, they will want to look for a man or a woman who understands this. And they won't settle for someone who's unbroken, unbridled. You want God to change you so that one day God has a spouse that's also been changed just for you. As a pastor, the greatest joy is to see a couple come together in God or a couple that maybe they got married, they weren't, neither of them were following God. Neither of them understood any of this. But then they got saved and their marriage was on the rocks and we counseled them and we took them back to understand these things and they started working on the covenant relationship instead of trying to just do things to make the other person a little happy, you know? Well, just get her off my back. What do I need to do to get her off my back? I mean, that's how people think. It's ridiculous. They start coming into covenant relationship. I start seeing the, the victory. The, it, you can see it on their face. 
You can see them look at each other. They don't come into the office and sit, you know, 15 feet apart. They, they're, they're, they're like octopus. He's got his arm. She can't get close enough. God's changed them. Listen, all I want to be, I don't want to be the guy that climbs the ladder and cuts down the net. I want to be the guy that gets to hold the ladder while you cut down the net. As a pastor, that's the most wonderful experience to know that you get to see a front row seat to God restoring people the way he created them. I want that for you. I want that for you. So this is an encouragement. This is, it is challenging, but it's an encouragement. You can do it. I don't care what your marriage looks like. God can change that marriage. Stop focusing on the surface stuff and get down to the covenant and make covenant with God. I will not quit on this marriage. And then make covenant with your spouse. I am going to do everything in my power to be the right spouse in this relationship. And then live it as if you're living it with Christ. And watch what happens. Watch God begin to change their heart. God can change. He, hardened hearts are nothing to God. He can, he can harden a heart and he can soften a heart. God can do it all. You just make sure you're the right person. And by the way, when you, have, you think your time's up with the person you're with and there's somebody out, out there that's catching your eye and they're better, let me just tell you something. The grass isn't greener on the other side in marriage. I'm just going to tell you, there's a price to pay. And you live for the rest of your life with the understanding, once you're saved. Now, if you got divorced before you were saved and understood this stuff, then, but you, those of you, you know what I'm talking about. Every night, you know that you gave up on that marriage. And sometimes you don't have a choice in it. I get that. But there's a lot of times that we didn't put the effort in in order to make that marriage work. Our kids are watching us. Our kids are watching us. I am committed to my wife until the last breath. And I know she's committed to me until the last breath. And that's what I want my kids and my grandchildren to see. I will not be the reason that they looked elsewhere other than God for understanding what marriage is. If they do, if they choose to look elsewhere, it won't be because of me. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for designing us uniquely. Father, on this Father's Day, the, the, the greatest thing for a father to understand is that you believe in him and you created him in such a way to be the head of the home and to honor and to love and to respect his wife and his children and to lead them in the right ways while living in this wicked world. Father, I pray that each man here would know how much he is loved by you and that you believe in him and that he can do this. We have a men's ministry that he can get involved in and he'll be reminded and, re and, and, and encouraged as he tries to do this. No man is perfect in it. We all fall short, but God, this is the goal. And as we walk in humility and brokenness before you, you pour more and more into us. You give us more and more understanding and we're able to find the strength to keep on. And I pray that for the men that are here today. I pray the same for the women, Lord. Come near to them. May they know how much you love them, 
the way, just the way you designed them, just the way you created them. And their roles are so needed in that man's life, just as his role is needed in her life. Father, may this be a day where we leave knowing while the world is just throwing everything out the window and falling further into a downgrade, we know what the truth is and the truth never changes and our God is immutable. He never changes. And the veracity of his truth can impact my life and my family, my children, my wife, and I'm committed to it. May that be the case in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 I want to say this in closing. Men, if any of you would like to talk with me at all, uh, please come over and say something. We can schedule time to meet. I've got all the time in the world. I'm not too, t I'm not too busy. Don't ever use that as an excuse. I can't get to Greg. He's too busy. It's not true. I can do it. You come to me. We'll schedule time. We'll talk. And whatever I can do to be your biggest cheerleader. Now, if you're going to go in the wrong way, I'm going to say that to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. Because I really believe if you'll follow God, it'll be better for you. And it'll be better for your wife and your kids. Amen? Okay. And ladies, if you need help, we've got women in this church that are women of God. They are more than happy. And you can come as well. And we can talk, okay? God bless you.